Hey, this is Beth Nelson. I serve as the lead pastor at Prey Heights Community Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for listening today. I hope this motivates you. I hope it builds your faith and helps you connect with Christ and a church family at Prey Heights. Enjoy the message. Part of my reasoning is through physical, mental, sexual abuse, um, being shot at, being stabbed, being addicted to drugs when I should have been dead, I'm here. Uh, being in the military, doing the things I did in the military, coming out, almost going to prison. I decided that he was with me and it's time for me to accept him into my life. Everything happens for a reason. God's there with you and he'll help you through it. Points in my life, I forgot that. But if it wasn't for God, I probably wouldn't be standing here talking with you now. You're never gonna go through things alone. He's always with you, you just gotta reach out for him. I love that story of Rich and discovering new life in Christ, living my best life. How are you doing today? Good to be back with you again. I hear some uh, laughter, I'm not sure why. Hey, it's cold outside, and don't you know about wearing layers? Um, this may be taking that to the extreme. Uh, actually, I'm believing there's at least a couple of 13-year-old kids who are going, ooh, that's cool, I gotta, I gotta start dressing like that. Um, now, obviously, I'm not a fashionista. In fact, when I go shopping for clothes, I pull a shirt off the rack, I hold it up, I look at my wife, Linda, and I go, honey, do I like this? <laughs> now, here's why uh, I have the get-up on this morning. Uh, we're in a two-part series, Living My Best Life, and we started it last week, and we're doing a two-week study in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. Last week, we looked at verses 1 through 11, and uh, we found out that there's a couple of natures. We are born with an old sinful nature, and when we come to know Christ as our Savior, we are given a brand new nature, like Rich was talking about in the video. Now, if you were here last week, you might remember, purple is the color of royalty. That's why our new nature of Christ, we're sons and daughters of King Jesus. We're sons and daughters of the Heavenly Father, part of his kingdom. And purple is royalty, historically and biblically. And of course, let me remind you, this purple coat, I wear it on two occasions, Easter and whenever the Vikings are in the Super Bowl. I wear it once a year. That's it. That's it. So that represents the new nature in Christ. However, we're all born into this world sinful. Thank you, Adam and Eve. And, uh, and so, by the way, if any of you are not yet Christ followers, I really believe that though this is written, Colossians chapter 3, for the church, I think you're going to find some really practical helps in what it means when you really come to know Christ in a personal way. But this is how we're born. We're born with a sinful nature. And Isaiah has something to say about any attempt that we might make to earn our way to heaven in trying to be good enough. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 64, verse six, here's what we find. We're all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. 
We can't earn our way to heaven. It's like a filthy rag. And the only way that we can be forgiven is by recognizing that Jesus is the Son of God that died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. And when we receive that gift of salvation, we have a new nature. But here's the challenge. There's this ongoing battle in this life in living according to our new nature in Christ and defeating this old nature of sin. So last week, our three instructions from verses 1 through 11 were focus on the heavenly, what waits for us as Christ followers, and to kill the worldly and to put on our royalty. In fact, let me remind you what Paul has to say about sons and daughters of the king. In Romans chapter 8, verses 15 to 17, Paul writes this, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. No, instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Quick time out here. You hear it all the time in our culture and sometimes on the... In, uh, in songs, or you see it in movies, or just commentators talking about, hey, everyone on planet Earth, we're all God's children. Sorry, but that's not true. We are all God's creation. But the only way you become a child of God is recognizing that we can't earn our way to heaven. It's a gift, and we receive that. Then we become sons and daughters of the Heavenly Father. And since we are his children, verse 17... We are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. All right. So with that in mind, let's continue this two-part series, meaning that if we're going to live our best possible life, we want to answer this question. How do we live a life that's pleasing to Christ and at the same time makes a difference in the world around us? So let's take a look at verses 12 to 17 of Colossians chapter 3, and we'll look at some more instructions on how to be clothed and look like followers of Christ the King. Here's the first instruction. We need to wear Christ's character. Wear his character. Now, the idea of character is who we really are when we don't think anybody sees us. That would really reveal who we really, truly are. How's your character? How's my character this morning? Let's go to Colossians 3, verse 12. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Another time out. We started this last week, and we want to continue, because if you're at the place in your life, in your relationship with God through Jesus Christ, that you want to learn more about the Scriptures and what it has for us and how to live for Christ, then in the context, we want to find out why is Paul saying, since God chose you? So let's back up to the first two chapters of Colossians chapter 3, and here's where Paul is describing who Jesus is, that he's supreme, that he's enough. Nothing needs to be added for salvation to get to heaven. So here's what he says in chapter 1, verse 21. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions, yet now... He has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. 
As a result, he has brought you into his presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? He sees us as holy and blameless. How can that be? Paul writes in Ephesians chapter one that when God looks at us, he sees us as holy and blameless without fault, without sin. Why? Because he looks at us through the lens of the blood that Jesus shed on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. Not only does he see us that way now, but someday when we get to heaven, oh, holy and blameless lasts forever. So the scriptures tell us God wants us to be holy just like he is holy. How in the world are we going to live a holy life? How are we going to look like Jesus who is holy? Have you ever done this? You stand in your closet in the morning or at some point, maybe you're going out in the evening and you stand there and you go, oh, wow, I don't have anything to wear. How about if you're looking for something holy in your closet? Oh, I don't, uh, actually, half of you own jeans that would qualify. They are very, very holy. <laughs> but we're talking about a different kind of wardrobe here. In fact, we're kind of talking about a dress code. A dress code that if we're going to please Christ to make a difference in the world, God wants us to wear, and it's wearing the character of Christ. There's several elements, and so let me break down the five elements that we find here in verse 12. First of all, tender-hearted mercy. Tender-hearted mercy. Do you have mercy for others? Would others view you as being tender-hearted toward people around you? So, but let's ask the question, what is tender-hearted mercy? That was Jesus. He was full of compassion. When he went around the towns and the synagogues and was teaching and healing, he noticed that people were helpless and harassed like sheep without a shepherd, and he had compassion on them. Tender-hearted mercy is, is related to that emotion that maybe you and I feel when we see a video or we see pictures of, of starving kids in, uh, in poverty-stricken countries around the world. But if we are going to live to please Christ and to dress and to look like Jesus and wear his character, that means we need to practice tender-hearted mercy toward people around us each and every day. Did anybody notice there was a lack of tender-hearted mercy the last few months leading up to the election? Hmm. Now, I'm not going to get off on some election commentary, but I will say this. What if all Christ followers in America were really wearing Christ's character? We're going to look at several more, but tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience... Don't you think the world would have really, really noticed? Tender-hearted mercy is one part of Christ's wardrobe. It's the kind of mercy that God has for you and me. Let's look at the next one. Kindness. Kindness. Are you kind? Am I kind? Uh, the same word that Paul uses for kindness here is used to describe Jesus as he related to children. You know, we picture Jesus saying, hey, let the little kids come to me. Jesus was so kind. Now, this is not something that I think about putting on every morning when I'm getting ready to go about the day. Okay, I'm, I'm going to be really kind to people today, and sometimes I've, 
I recognize, oh, I, sh- I should have made sure that I let Jesus help me wear that. Uh, I got convicted and challenged this morning in the lobby of the hotel I was staying at here in Fargo last night. Uh, <clears throat> there was, uh, let's just say there was, there was a little bit of unorganized chaos going on at this hotel as it related to breakfast. And I wanted to get some breakfast before I came here to speak at the first service. And everything's running late and things were stressful. And some dear lady running the breakfast area in the lobby of this hotel, she was obviously late and she was obviously stressed. And uh, I'm sitting there drinking a cup of coffee, waiting for food. And I'm starting to go, oh, okay, this is ridiculous. You know, hotels aren't cheap and I paid money for this. This is not good. Why weren't you here on time? And I'm starting to, I'll be honest, I'm starting to belittle this woman a little bit in my mind, in my perspective about her. And I was agitated. And she's running around and all of a sudden she comes out of the kitchen area where they prepare the food and she's going to bring out this container of waffle batter. How many of you like staying at a hotel where, where you can make your own waffles? You know, that's, that's kind of good. Uh, sugar high, that's really nice. And uh, so as she's walking out to bring the waffle batter, it's a container about this big. Uh, it was pretty obvious that she forgot to close the bottom of the container. And so now we're talking waffle batter trail all the way across into the lobby. And she didn't really notice it until she got it up there. Now there's waffle batter over her. She looks back and let's just say she used a word that I cannot use right now in my message. And at that point, I felt like Jesus was saying to me, hey, Byron, um, just a little reminder uh, today, you're going to talk about kindness in your message at Prairie Heights. So let's, uh, what are you going to do? Are you going to sit there and be agitated and kind of look down on this woman for spilling waffle batter and being late with breakfast? Or what are you going to do? And I went, oh, wow. So I got up and I walked over to her and I said, ma'am, may I help you? She goes, really, you would do that? I said, of course. Let me go to the pool and I'll get some towels. So she runs to the pool, comes back with several towels. And so now for the next few minutes, this lady who I've never met, she and I were down on the floor wiping up waffle batter, getting to know each other and becoming good friends. I don't tell you that story to make you think, oh, I'm such a kind person. I tell you that story because I was convicted and challenged and needed to be reminded to wear Christ's character of kindness. How about you? Humility. Humility. C.S. Lewis made this quote, and it's so good. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less, less often. You know how to deal with uh, know-it-alls? By, by the way, don't, don't raise your hand, but uh, I'm guessing that every single one of us right now, if you stop and you think about it, if I said, who do you know in your life that comes across like a know-it-all? Basically, everybody can picture someone. Here's the real question. Do we need to look in the mirror and go, okay, well, that is actually me. I tend to be that way. But when we're dealing with other know-it-alls in our life, and we all have them, how do we deal with it? We need to be humble, full of Christ's humility around them. How about this one? Gentleness. Gentleness. In another translation, the word meekness is used. Meekness. Now, don't misunderstand this. Meekness is not weakness. 
Meekness is great strength under control. In Christ, we have great strength. If we're not dressing up in the new nature, if we're not killing the worldly and we're letting the old nature dominate in our lives, we are not going to come across to people with gentleness. And then the last one in this verse, patience. (laughs) Patience. Again, don't raise your hand, but... Do any of you know anybody that uh, they're difficult? How about every day when you think about who you might encounter, who you, or you might even think about your own family or a neighbor or somebody else going, okay, Lord, I need to wear your character today, which includes patience, so help me be patient. Now, be careful when you pray for patience. Yep, when I was in college, I was at a Christian college on a Friday morning, a chapel speaker talked about patience and that we needed to be like Jesus and be patient and pray for patience. And so I just went, oh, that makes sense. I I don't have enough patience. I need to pray for patience. And so I started praying for patience during the day on that Friday. That night, somebody stole my car. The next morning, I broke my nose playing basketball. And then that Saturday night, my girlfriend dumped me. I stopped praying for patience for a while. I, I just wasn't into it. It's enough, enough. I had enough learning opportunities. But yet we should. We should say, Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit in me, you're so patient with me. I blow it all the time. Sometimes I'm hard to live with, and yet, Jesus, you love me unconditionally. Help me to be patient with those I encounter each and every day. So when others see you and me, when they're around us, do we attract them to Jesus? Or do we repel them from Jesus? The second instruction I want us to see here. Forgive others as Christ forgave. Colossians 3 verse 13. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you so you must forgive others. If we're not killing the worldly, and if we are dominated on a daily basis by our old sinful nature, you know what? We are not going to be forgiving others at all. But if we are putting on royalty and saying every day, Jesus, I want to wear your character, and I know part of that is forgiving others like you forgave me. So as your son or daughter, King Jesus, it's so hard, but help me to be forgiving toward other people. Here's what's really amazing. When we are wearing Christ's character, what we just looked at, now in verse 13, when Paul says, make allowance for each other's faults, listen, if we're wearing Christ's character, we will be habitually making allowance for the, excuse me, the faults of others around us. That's part of our new nature of dressing up to look like Jesus, to be holy just as he is holy. And when you think about how Christ has forgiven us, let me remind you that uh, in the scriptures in Micah, in fact, Micah chapter 7, verse 19, when Christ forgave us, he threw our sins into the deepest seas. In Psalm 103, verse 2, he forgives our sins as far as the east is from the west. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, John wrote this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just 
to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So though you only have to ask Jesus one time to forgive you and come in to be your savior, it's a daily, sometimes many, many times a day saying, Jesus, my attitude, my heart, my action, I'm confessing that to you. Thank you that you will forgive me and cleanse me. I want to be holy. I want to look holy like you do, Jesus. So have you been forgiven by others? And are we willing to forgive others around us? Another true confession. Do you ever think about when we don't forgive other people, it's like adding a burden or a weight to our own lives and trying to function and live and carry on without that. I mean, if this had nothing to do with what I'm talking about, what we're teaching here this morning, and I was trying to you know, use hand gestures and, and uh, turn my notes, uh, you would have went, okay, that's pretty noticeable, Byron. You might, do you realize that you're carrying this extra burden weight around that you probably don't need right now? You know what, one of the reasons I love spending this time teaching God's word with you, earlier in the week, I got real convicted again. Because a little over a week ago, I thought I'd forgiven this person who deeply hurt me 11 years ago. But I went and grabbed that weight off my shelf of my heart and started feeling this grudge again toward this person 11 years ago. And it was affecting even me, it was affecting me even my preparation. And the good thing is that's how God's spirit works. God's spirit showed me, Byron, you need to confess that to me. You can't hold that grudge. You gotta let it go. You gotta remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. All of you who are weary and heavy burdened, Come to me and I'm going to give you rest. The disciples asked Jesus, how often do we have to forgive someone? Seven times? Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. This is a challenge in my life right now. How about you? Maybe it's a challenge for you. Is there somebody that you need to forgive? That's part of living out the new nature to please Christ and make a difference in the world. Here's the third instruction. Really love others. Really love others. Verse 14, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Remember, Paul is writing this to the early church at Colossae. You know, one of their problems was is that they were practicing heresy. They were adding things on to knowing Jesus as Savior, and they were adding traditions and religions and secret knowledge and some mystical things and all of that. And Paul's getting after him. He's going, no. And the way you're treating each other, you got to start remembering that you got to really love each other. Got to love each other in a way that binds people together in perfect harmony. I've made the mistake more than once. You, you think at my age I would remember... But uh, I remember last winter, I, I almost ruined a pretty good sweater because I, I was brushing against something and I got a little piece of yarn that pulled out of the sweater. And so uh, if, at first I, first I thought, oh, I'll just cut that out. And then I realized, no, my wife had taught me better than that. And so then I thought, okay, I'll just pull it out. And I started pulling and I realized, and now, now, it's, now it's messing up everything else. Real love is what binds the garment together. 
In fact, Paul talks more about it in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. He says, live a life filled with love. Oh, is that you? Is that me? Filled with love? Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Do you know how to tell if we're really loving others? It's when we're willing to sacrifice on their behalf. I did this not long ago. In fact, I've done it too many times in my life. And I'm just, it's a, maybe it's just a guy thing, a husband thing. I don't know, but guys, help me out if you, if you connect with this. Um, in our bedroom, you know, I, I, if I've worn a shirt or some cl- item of clothing, and I think I can wear it again. I don't think I pit it out too, by, too bad. And so I know I can't hang it in the closet anymore, but how about if I just drape it over the back of the chair in case I want to wear it again in a couple days, right? And so you, you like that? You can identify with that? And so we should have a Sunday at Prayer Heights where all us guys come with half-dirty clothes. We'll see what that's like. And, um, and, and so I, I remember picking it up, and what do us guys do? We did the sniff test. You know, I just went right for the, the armpit there a little bit. Okay, oh, I don't think that's too bad. But my wife says, I don't always smell my own smell. <laughs> so I said, hey, honey, Linda, come here, come here. Can you smell this for me? Uh, oh, guys, that is not a romantic bit at all to <laughs> ask your wife to smell your half-dirty shirt. She said, no, in the wash. You know what we need from each other as the body of Christ? If you're a Christ follower, you're part of the body. If you're not yet a Christ follower, I'm trusting God that someday you'll experience this. We need each other to hold each other accountable. Because sometimes we don't recognize our own sin or our own lack of love. And we start to smell like our old nature. And we need a good washing, cleansing of Christ's forgiveness so that we are really loving each other with the aroma of Christ. So the next one, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Colossians 3.15, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule, I'm gonna stop right there, in the Greek language, the word rule there is the same word used to describe a referee or an umpire back during the Roman games. Roman athletic events were going on when Paul was writing this. And as we all know, umpires and referees oftentimes blow it, right? They don't make the right call. But here Paul is saying the right call is always when you let the peace of Christ rule in your life. What is that peace of Christ? Well, John said in chapter 14, I, he's quoting Jesus here, I am leaving you with a gift Peace of mind and heart, and the peace that I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. I want to talk about big picture for a minute. You know, Paul's writing here that we need to let the peace of Christ rule in our relationships with others. And sometimes I think we get so worked up about wanting to be right. And so when, when it's all about us wanting to be right, we're definitely not really loving because we're not sacrificing anything on behalf of someone else. We're not wearing Christ's character. We're probably not being kind or meek or patient because we want things our way. But what Paul is saying here, let the peace of Christ, that recognition that comes only when you know Christ 
Because only in the new nature will you recognize that the Holy Spirit is using God's word to teach us, convict us, challenge us, encourage us, and going, oh, uh, we need to change that, Byron. We need to fix that. In fact, Byron, uh, in this situation, you don't have to be right. You want the peace of Christ to be right for your soul and for those around you. Do you need to let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, in your relationships? Always be thankful is the fifth instruction. Always be thankful is the fifth instruction. In verse 15, the second part of verse 15 is very simple and it's so powerful. Always be thankful. Again, are you kidding me? Always? Isn't it hard to always be thankful? We're getting close to Thanksgiving time and, we, and that's the one time of year where we really talk about being thankful, but Paul is saying here, you want to be thankful all the time, always. And we might be going, but wait a minute, when life is really hard and difficult and challenging and people around us drive us absolutely nuts and, and I'm really struggling, really I'm supposed to be thankful then? Uh-huh, always. Because God's in control. He has a plan. He knows best. We lived in a little community in southwest Minnesota for over 30 years, and in our backyard, our neighbors, Mike and Kelly, had, a, had several kids, and uh, one of them was named Bethany. And so we watched Bethany grow up, and now she's in her 30s, and she's married. She's got four kids, and uh, her oldest uh, belongs to Bethany and Jordan. Their oldest is Samuel, and he's 10 years of age. August the 27th. Uh, was a day that uh, was a game changer for this young family. Jordan had gotten, he had ordered and had delivered a new gun safe. And he's, uh, he's in his garage, his shop, and he's uh, working and he's getting ready to get the gun safe up on supports and secured to the wall and everything. And 10-year-old Samuel is so excited about this new gun safe because he likes to hunt with his dad, Jordan. And he comes in, and Jordan didn't notice this right away, but Samuel started climbing up on one side of it. And since it wasn't secured, it fell over on top of him, all 960 pounds. Immediately, Jordan goes into, into action. He thankfully... <laughs> had a hydraulic lift nearby, and he used that to try to start get this heavy safe under his 10-year-old boy, Samuel, and he's calling 911, and about that minute, Bethany, the mom, comes walking in, she, and all of a sudden, she sees this, and so they are praying, and they're calling out to God, God, save our son. And thankfully, a helicopter was literally there within five minutes to take him to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester. And so the, the prayer notes went out, and very, very soon, thousands of people are praying for this family and praying for Samuel. And they didn't know if he was going to make it. When they, when they pulled him out and in the helicopter, when they asked him his name, he did respond, and he whispered, Samuel. And so for the first couple, three days, it wasn't sure whether Samuel was going to live, and if he did, what condition he was going to be like, because Impacting head injuries, body injuries, multiple surgeries ensued. And all along the way, I'm tracking this as, as thousands of people are tracking this on Caring Bridge. Praying for Samuel, praying for Jordan, praying for Bethany, praying for the sis, little sisters. God, heal him, do a miracle, do a miracle. But the whole time, 
Bethany and Jordan keep writing about how thankful they are. Thanking God for this detail, for that detail. Trusting God that he will work out the details to spare their son and to make him whole again. So let me share a, just a real short video with you. This is Samuel a couple of weeks ago, the second day that he was without his walker. God is in the details. And I know when you see a happy ending and he still needs prayer for his, his ongoing recovery. I had a lady after the first service come and talk to me how happy she was for Samuel and his parents and the family. But she talked about how a few years ago her son did not survive an accident. And yet she's thankful knowing that God is in control and that someday she'll see her son again. Are you and I thankful no matter what? It's hard. But in our new nature in Jesus Christ, his spirit within us will give us the faith and the courage and the peace that we need to always be thankful. Here's the next instruction. Keep God's word in you. Always keep God's word in you. Verse 16. Let the message about Christ in all of its richness fill your lives I'm going to come back to that. Fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Does God's word fill your life and mine? You know, I could do a whole message, and, and I know that Beth and staff in different services have challenged you here at Prairie Heights how important getting connected is in a large church like this and being in a small group. The bottom line is this. Are you involved in any kind of a relationship, friendship, small group, anything where you are studying God's word together? That helps us fill our lives. And so that's a challenge for if you're not. Ask God to help show you a way to be in God's word together with, I mean, we gotta start on our own without a doubt. That should be a daily, daily priority. You know how to tell if we're really keeping God's word in us at all times? This next week, when something happens that maybe upsets you, when something happens that challenges you in a decision you have to make, it might be because we all have the old nature yet, our initial thought might be fear or question or confusion or discouragement. But ask yourself, how quickly does a scripture, a promise from God's word come to mind? In this world, you're gonna have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. In Ephesians 1, verse 19 to 20, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is available for you to live each and every day. It's a good way for us to find out, are we keeping God's word in us? And then the last instruction, do everything as Christ's 
representative. Do everything, everything as Christ's representative. This morning, when I was convicted and challenged that I better get down on my hands and knees to help the waffle batter lady clean up, I could tell how it made a difference in her mourning. I didn't even need to say, well, I'm doing it as Christ's representative. (laughs) I was just responding to a convicting challenge God's spirit had given me, and I was being faithful, and I trust God's spirit to do the work, whatever needs to be done in her life. You'll see a picture behind me. It's a picture of my buddy Scott. Scott and I were really good friends for numerous years. And I'll see him again in heaven. He died about a year ago from a sickness. He was a facilities guy at the church where I was on staff at Eagle Brook for over 10 years. And Scott was amazing. He has, a, he has quite the, the faith story. Years ago, he's a little bit like, like Rich, the guy you saw at the beginning. Just wanted nothing to do with God, nothing to do with Christ or church. But he, he went along with an invitation to come to church. And by the way, as you get closer to Christmas, Prairie Hiders, be inviting people because God will change lives. And some of you here this morning recognize that your life could be, should be changed. But Scott goes to church and within a matter of a couple of weeks, he, his life was dramatically changed. He recognized his old nature, his sinfulness, and he threw it off and he said, Jesus, come in and forgive me. Run my life. And you talk about a Saul becoming Paul, kind of Damascus Road kind of experience He came on staff to work facilities, really, really skilled. Everybody loved him, such a wonderful guy. And uh, a year ago in April, uh, we had an incident in our house where it had been going on for a while, and I didn't recognize it soon enough, but in our bathroom on the main floor, just off of our entryway, uh, there was a leak in the toilet. And I hadn't noticed it fast enough, and now it had gotten into the, the hardwood floor, and now it was going bad, and now that wood flooring needed to be replaced. And so I said, hey, Scott, could you stop in and take a look? And he stops in, and I said, who do you recommend that I you know, call and come and replace the flooring, fix the toilet, and all that? And he goes, me. I go, Scott, you know, you're too busy doing other stuff for our church and everything. He says, no. He said, if you don't mind, I'll stop in periodically over the next several weeks and I'll take care of it. I said, okay, that's fine, but you are going to let me pay you. He says, well, we'll, we'll see. And I said, well, you are going to keep receipts for the, the materials there. He said, oh, yeah, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. So he fixes it and it's really, really amazing. And I said, okay, so what can I pay? He says, absolutely nothing. He says, you have Linda bake me another uh, loaf of that homemade wheat bread and we'll call it good. I said, okay, well, what about the materials? I said, can you give me the receipts? Ah, it's the strangest thing, Byron. This, the lumber and the parts, they just sort of showed up in my truck one day. And I, you know, God is good. God is good. I don't know where the receipts are. And I said, Scott, you can't do this. He said, yes, I can. I'm doing it for Jesus. He's changed my life. 
And it's a privilege to serve. You know, you've got gifts that I don't have. I've got gifts, obviously, that you don't have. So what was so cool is I thanked him and I was able to tell him for many, many months until he passed away, Scott, I pray for you at least once a day, sometimes several, days, several times a day. And he, I said, you know why? And he said, why? And I said, well, every time I go into the bathroom and pee, I pray for you. <laughs> Can I say that in church? So I have this great memory of my buddy Scott. I know that when I get to heaven someday, I kind of doubt there'll be a need for bathrooms, but if there are, I'm sure he'll be having a good one ready to go for me. Christ representative. All right, there you go. A lot of practical instructions. So let me encourage you on how to apply it this coming week. Don't be overwhelmed because there's like 12 instructions. Don't go, okay, and I'm almost panicky because I got to do all these instructions. Just ask Jesus, maybe even today, hey, Jesus, this coming week, show me which one to focus on. Maybe some of you are going, I don't even know this Jesus you're talking about, Byron. Today could be your day. Just let him know that you believe you, that he died for you and rose again and you want that gift of forgiveness. Come in and take over your life. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you and praise you for your holy word. I thank you for what seems like a daunting challenge that when you tell us you want us to be holy just like you are holy, we know that it's only your grace, your mercy that helps us to even strive toward that. So Father, I pray that this coming week, your spirit will, will do your thing and point out what needs to be brought to you, a burden, a sin, a need for forgiveness. Help us to focus in on at least one instruction that it's a good starting point or a place for us to zero in on, for, for us to really look a little bit more like royal sons and daughters of the king. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. A special thanks to those of you who give generously to Prairie Heights. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit prairieheights.com give for more information. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, or even take a screenshot and share it on your social media and tag us at Prairie Heights. Thank you for listening.